From Seven CTOs, my name is Etienne De Bruyne, and you're in the CTO studio. Hi, welcome to the CTO studio. I am your new CTO studio producer, host, editor, bartender, and resident barber. My name is Nikolai Walker. Etienne and I have known each other for a billion years. So he asked if I would join the team and spice things up a little bit. So that's what I'm here to do. Today, Etienne talks to Michael Snoyman, who is the VP of Engineering at FP Complete. And if you listen carefully, you'll see them start in Israel and end with infrastructure as code. Let's go. So why don't we, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and, and uh, I know you're in Israel, so give us a bit of a backstory just to warm things up a bit. Sure. Okay. So I actually, the fact that I'm in Israel is a good back, uh, back into the story. I moved here about 11 years ago. I had worked in the insurance industry in the US. I'd worked as an actuary. I'd always been on the programming side. And I always had a little bit of an obsession with making things correct, making things work properly. Uh, when I moved to Israel, the uh, the industry is a little bit different over here, and it was much easier to get into the programming side. I had the programming experience already, so I decided to make a little bit of a move, and I started investigating which language I was going to end up using for doing some consulting work. Uh, Haskell is the language I ended up finding. Uh, what really appealed to me was the fact that you were able to use it to create more reliable solutions. Uh, so I started building with Haskell. I started building a few frameworks, tools, and eventually Aaron Contour founded FP Complete based on the idea of getting these better tools based on things like the Haskell programming language out to market and ended up joining the company. Uh, so I've been here at FP Complete since then, which is now about eight years ago, and we started building things. Now, this was, a, this was in the early days of DevOps. This is before Docker existed. Kubernetes didn't exist at the time. And we needed to go ahead and start figuring out how are we going to get our Haskell development tools to exist in this cloud environment. We started playing around with containerization at the time. We started dealing with the security implications. Uh, it was a very big growth experience. This was, I had worked in system administration previously. I had worked with, uh, with VPSs previously, but this was really a deep dive into the guts of what's going on in the cloud and how can you really leverage containerization to solve real-world problems. So I'd say the first thing I notice is not really coming as a tech person. Uh, the first thing I notice is we're here in Israel. Israel's a much smaller marketplace than the U.S. We don't have Amazon and massive supermarket chains that are able to afford huge tech teams. We've got smaller chains. Uh, and at this point, we're ordering our food online. As soon as the switch happened to ordering food online, the error messages started. The newsletters coming out saying, we're working on the problem, we're working on upgrading our servers and everything else came out. And then the tech side of me comes out and I, and I look at that and say, it's really too bad they didn't invest in DevOps a year ago, six months ago. Uh, these shouldn't be problems. These shouldn't be problems that we're facing today. Uh, just to give you an example, I deployed an extra service to one of our Kubernetes clusters recently, 
and I immediately got a message that we were out of space. It's a, it's a test cluster that we're working on. I was able to go into a, a dashboard, increase a number from six to eight, and two seconds later, things started working. As soon as I got back into the terminal, we had another machine added the, to the cluster. That's the reality that we want our users to have here at FP Complete when we're talking about the DevOps user, the DevOps engineer. The thing we want them to see is adding more servers, adding more capacity, responding to a global challenge like this should not be something that terrifies you. It should be something that you can handle very calmly. Now, uh, the thing that we're always faced with as CTOs and engineers is don't scale until you need to scale um, or don't over-engineer your scaling architecture when you know you haven't even secured the fraction of the customer base that you're going after. So how, how does one go about preparing your system without over-engineering your system? Oh, and, and by system, I probably should say DevOps. That's a great question. And I'd go back to one of the old adages, which is premature op optimization is the root of all evil. That's true, and we all know that's true, but it also doesn't give you a license to use the wrong algorithm in the first place. You don't need to do crazy micro-optimizations at a granular, I'm talking as a dev, because my background is a dev. You don't have to go and research every single hotspot and re start rewriting code in assembly to iron out every single optimization. But you do need to structure the code correctly in the first place to allow things to work uh, correctly. You have to choose the right sorting algorithm. If you, th if you throw a bubble sort in there, you're just asking for problems. The same kind of trade-off has to happen at the infrastructure level. You don't have to start optimizing uh, for geographic distribution of your servers from day one. But you should be designing from the beginning to have reliability against a single server going down. You should have a high availability setup day one because you know that's going to be a problem at some point in the next six months. You know a machine is going to go down. You know there's going to be some transient failure. Make sure that you're designing with those kinds of ideas in mind for the future. Got it. So the question then becomes, what is sort of a canonical way of just doing it the right way from the beginning? Unfortunately, that's a very difficult uh, thing in, in this uh, industry these days. Uh, we're not talking, no longer are we talking about a, you know, a solved problem. If uh, I, I'd like to compare us to re what I'd probably call real engineering uh, disciplines. Uh, I think there's a pretty good idea of how to build a bridge. People understand, and I've never built a bridge, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think people have an idea of how you should build a bridge. It's been well-researched, well-studied, and done many times for hundreds and thousands of years. How long have we been deploying things to the AWS cloud? It's definitely not been 100 years. Uh, these are new things that we're still innovating on. The best practices are changing. Just, just a few weeks ago, I was updating some of our subnets to follow modern best practices because the best practices that we put in place two years ago on this system are no longer best practices. Mm. Uh, so it's definitely a problem. And staying on top of all of these changes and knowing which authorities to trust, these, these are real problems. These are real issues that every organization is facing. But my, my, my challenge is, do you think that 
uh, DevOps as isolating DevOps as a discipline or as a function is the thing that has uh, made people uh, more uh, complacent when it comes to choosing infrastructures and scaling algorithms and services uh, because they think, okay, well, DevOps is a thing and I will do that in the future versus, hey, DevOps is a fundamental part of engineering and it really is the same thing. I'm not sure if it's made people more complacent. I think it may have exposed the complacency. I think in the past, when the, the, there are many different ways you can, you can define that line between operations and DevOps, and everyone has their own way of looking at it. Uh, for me, the big, uh, the big crossover point is where we say that all, all infrastructure should be code. All infrastructure should be codified in one way or another. Once you cross that line, once you take the human factor out of out of the equation for creating things on a day-to-day -day basis, you begin to expose many of the issues that used to exist, many of those complacency issues. How many times was an operator going in and installing the latest and greatest piece of tooling, the, the alpha version of the next uh, Debian package or anything else along those lines? Uh, we're just seeing it happen in a more codified way in many of these cases. So the so do do you do you use Terraform or CloudFormation and those types of tools then for codifying infrastructure? Yes. Boom. Well, there you have it, folks. Clear, crisp, and concise questions and even better answers. Love that type of stuff. Thank you again for being with me in the CTO studio today. If you would like more of these shows, please subscribe to our, our show, which should come out weekly. If you want more, we'll ramp it up. If you want less, we'll dial it back. It's completely up to you. Uh, thanks again to Michael with FP Complete. Please go check out fpcomplete.com. And as always, thank you to Etienne with 7CTOs for finding these people. And go check out 7CTOs.com. We'll see you next time.